welcome to the Paragon Show. I'm Nick Henderson, your host, and together we are going to explore models of excellence from every aspect of life so that we can learn how to apply them to our own. Thank you for listening. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. And let me be the first to say it. Welcome to the Paragon Show. So let's get the elephant in the room taken care of first. What happened to an intentional life? Why a new podcast again? And what the heck is the Paragon Show? To answer that, I'd like to start probably with a few definitions first. In order to know what it is you are listening to and to understand what it is I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast, really we've got to start there. So uh, what is a Paragon? Some of you might already know the answer to this, and I know if there are any jewelers listening right now, they're probably picturing a perfect, flawless, 100-carat diamond right now. This show is not about diamonds. The Cambridge Dictionary describes the meaning of paragon as a person or thing that is perfect or has an extremely large amount of a particularly good characteristic. Now, I'm going to read that again. The Cambridge Dictionary describes the meaning of paragon as a person or thing that is perfect or has an extremely large amount of a particularly good characteristic. To me, those seem like two very different things, and I hope that they seem that way to you as well. In one hand, we have perfection, and in the other hand, we have a lot of really good, uh, a lot of a really good particular characteristic. The uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines paragon in a manner which I find a little bit more relatable. According to Merriam-Webster, a paragon is a model of excellence or perfection. It isn't perfection. It's a model of excellence or perfection. The reason I like this one more is because of how it is qualified in the start of the definition. A paragon is a model. And so that is where I'm working with. That's what I'm working with right now in launching this podcast. I want this podcast to be a model. So uh, a model of what, you might be wondering. I'm glad you asked. Uh, everything. I want to use this podcast to seek out and explore and identify and unwrap and uncover and expand upon and break out models of excellence everywhere, from personal mastery to financial mastery to love to life to faith to business to travel, where we can seek out mastery together I want to go there, the list goes on. So uh, it is my hope, it's my goal uh, with this podcast to not only bring to you models of excellence, but to do so in a way that you can then take those models of excellence and apply them to your own life. Now, selfishly, I'm doing this a lot for me too, so that I can take those models of excellence and apply them to my own life. So we're in this together. Now, believe it or not, the man behind the microphone needs all these good, great models of excellence in his life, too. Of course, I'm talking about me. So what does this look like going forward? Good question. Again, thank you for asking. Episodes themselves are, are going to vary in length. Some might be long. Others might be short. Ultimately, I'm going to try and include reference material in all of them. Some episodes might just be fleshing out an idea and breaking it down. Uh, I already have some guests lined up in the, for future episodes. I'm, I'm going to be working on doing more of that. If you want to be a guest on this show, 
let me know. If you think you've got something that you want to bring to the table that is going to show people kind of how you're doing things in an excellent, intentional way, uh, let's talk about it. Um, so there are some of you, you know, maybe just one or two of you that are wondering still about what happened to the podcast called An Intentional Life. Well, uh, in essence, this is the same podcast. Now, I've changed the name, and I've got some fancy new cover art, but the concept is the same. To me, living an intentional life is the single greatest thing a person can do in their day-to-day in order to increase their happiness and satisfaction 100-fold or more, without a doubt. Second only, of course, to giving your life over to Jesus Christ, which honestly is a highly intentional fact, and we will save that discussion of faith for later. What does it mean to intentionally live or to have an intentional life? To answer that, we have to look a little bit at the human condition uh, a bit more closely. This is something that I've been really just like fascinated by, especially in the last couple of years, uh, looking at what people do and why they do them, where people spend their time, what's important to people now that later they're going, why did I waste my time on that? And I, as a good example of that, I really got into politics uh, several years back, and I've been in politics, I've been out of politics, I've been in politics, I've been back out of politics, and one of my biggest takeaways from that whole ordeal is that being in politics, and, and for me, when I'm saying being in politics, I'm talking about what we have right now is this, this kind of outrage culture where uh, you're on the right and you're really mad about something that's going on on the left, or you're on the left and you're really mad about something that's going on on the right. And, and what you do is you go online, you go to you know, social media platforms, and you, and you get out there and you, make, you put these comments out there, just mean, nasty comments full of vitriol or hate, but you think you're saying the thing that, that everybody needs to hear. You think that your comment on that thread or that post is going to change everyone's opinions. And ultimately, deep down inside, you know that's not true. You know that the people that are mad on the left or the people that are mad on the right, they aren't going to be affected at all by those comments. And ultimately, what you did is you just got spun up over something that doesn't matter. You commented in a thread that nobody's going to read. You spent time out of your day composing your thoughts in a way that ultimately doesn't matter because nobody who, who needs to hear it is going to hear it. Nobody that, that doesn't need to hear it is going to care to read it because they already know where did that time go? What did you do with your time? So intentional living. For me, a big decision I made when it came to politics was not doing it, not getting caught up in uh, the attack dog media, not getting sucked into posts and groups and comments and threads and not getting tagged in. I don't know if you have this in your life. I've had this in my life. Somebody that I know, you know, will get into a, a, a debate online and they're going to get going and they're going to throw some punches and the other person's going to throw some punches. And the next thing you know, I'm getting tagged in like, Hey Nick, handle this. And for a long time, I would be like, yeah, Count me in. I'm going to handle this. I'm taking care of business right now. And I would come out, you know, here's a fact, here's a fact, left hook, right hook, uppercut. And I would spend so much time, in my mind, demolishing this other person, this other human being, just because we don't agree on something. And it ultimately, at the end of the day, they wouldn't care. I could, I could have written the most well-composed, beautifully thought out, sourced, peer-reviewed, whatever paper and and, and sent that to them, and it would not have mattered. The format's wrong. The timing's wrong. The 
the energy's wrong. That is not living a life worth living. And so for me, the Intentional Life podcast was about exploring those concepts of doing things with intention, being deliberate in how you go into your life and go into your day. Did you know that the average person in the United States over the course of their entire lifetime buys 9.4 cars? I don't know how you buy half a car, but 9.4 cars. Most of these cars, and I'm just going to break out some numbers here. Most of these cars are actually financed. The average interest rate paid is about 5% if you believe Google. The average cost of a car in the United States right now is about $36,718. For quick math, the interest on that average car would work out to about $5,000 over the lifetime of the loan. Now multiply that by the 9.4 cars the average American is, spend, is buying, you wind up spending about $50,000 just on interest fees alone over your lifetime. Intentional living, living an intentional life would be uh, if you were to say buy only one car in your lifetime, one or two cars intentionally. If you were just to apply this principle just to purchasing cars, you could save thirty dollars to $40,000 just in automobile interest. What about credit cards? What about homes? What about food and drinks? Think about buying a home. Almost everyone gets a starter home. It's not worth much when you buy it, and it's not worth much unless you're lucky when you sell it, and you learn everything you hate about starter homes, and then you buy your next home, swearing never ever to have a single vanity in the master bathroom again. That's a true story. That's a story out of my house right now. So why start with a starter home? Why not live intentionally and know what you do and don't want in a, in a home from the very start? Now, I'm not saying that you can just go buy a multi-million dollar mansion. Obviously, the constraints of income and reality apply here. But there is no rule that says you have to start at zero. There's no rule that says that. Life doesn't work that way. My first home, the first home that I ever purchased, it's also the only home I've ever purchased. I'm actually recording this right now in that home. My first home is was a two-story home located in a suburban neighborhood. It's a cookie-cutter home. It has three bedrooms. It has an office, two and a half bathrooms, a two-car garage, a big yard, a giant den. It's more of an intermediate home, the one you buy after your starter home. My starter home was the home most people move up into after they realize they hate their starter homes or after they realize it's time to upgrade their circumstances. I'll give you another example. I'm looking for a new truck right now. I'm not just going to go down to the dealership and buy something that is on the lot. And it boggles my mind. I know people that will go to a car dealership and they're going to say, hey, what do you got? And, and they, they look at this limited inventory and they pick something out of that. That is going to a lot and buying something that's already available. It might be what you want. It might not be what you want. It kind of meets your needs. It might not meet your needs. It's crazy to me. That's not living an intentional life. When I bought my first, uh, my, my last truck, I, I'm guilty of buying a lot of cars. I really am. Uh, but when I bought my last truck, I was very intentional in the process. I, was, I spent so much time online, I researched it, I had all the facts, I had the models, this, that, and the other, and I sent an email out, I sent it to 10 different dealerships, and uh, it was my own personal version of the Hunger Games, and I said, hey, here's the truck I want, 
make it happen. Uh, may the odds be ever in your favor. Uh, those of you, the dealership that gives me the best possible deal on this exact truck or as close to this exact truck as possible is about to get my business. I don't care if I have to drive, you know, five miles to the dealership up the road, uh, 10 miles to the dealership across town, 100 miles to the dealership on in the other state across state lines. I live in Coeur d'Alene, so across state lines, Washington state. 200, 300 miles, I don't care where I have to go, I want the best possible deal on the truck that I want. That is exactly what I'm doing again right now. So I'm looking for a new truck and I'm not just going down to that dealership. I'm researching features, capabilities, styles, reliability, reviews, economy, and so much more. I, I'm gonna purchase, and when I'm done with my intentional research, I'm gonna purchase this truck from the dealership that's gonna make me the best possible deal on the truck that I want, the truck that does what I needed to do, that has what I wanted to have, that looks the way I want it to look so that every day when I get into that truck, I am content and happy and fulfilled with my choice. Just out of curiosity, how many of you listening to this podcast right now have ever bought a car and you've called it your dream car and you've been at the lock, oh, I love this car, and maybe you saw a commercial or you saw an ad on the internet or you built it on their website, oh, this is my dream car, and you go to the lot and then when you get there, you start talking about prices and features and money and the dollar sign keeps coming up. And so as you go through this purchase process, you start to settle. You maybe go down a trim package. Oh, I want to get the best one. Mm, it's kind of pricey. I'm going to go down a trim package. Oh, I really want leather, but that's kind of pricey, so I'm going to go cloth. Uh, I'm going to get rid of this add-on. I'm going to get rid of that add-on. And then a few months later, so you bought this car that was supposed to be your dream car. Maybe a few months later, maybe a year or more later, you're driving around in almost your dream car and grumbling about how you should have had this or that. And I know I have. I've been there. I just said a little bit ago, I am guilty of buying a lot of cars. Uh, that's just, that's, that's history for me right now, but it's not the way I'm doing things anymore. I'm intentionally buying vehicles. My next truck, the one that I'm researching right now is going to be fully loaded, top of the line, top trim, everything I want. And I mean everything because I don't want to ever buy another truck again until I absolutely have to. I want to drive this thing for, you know, 100, 200,000 miles or until hover cars come out and, and have to, I have to get a new one for the new hover highway, whatever. I don't know. I want to drive this thing as long as possible. So I want to love it from day one. The reason so many people buy so many different cars is because you settle. You give up this little nugget here, this little piece there. I'm going to give up the leather. I'm going to give up the trim. I'm going to grip this. I'm going to settle. And settling will leave you in a state of wanting. And you're actually, you can grow, you're going to grow resentment in that. You're going to resent the car that you purchased. It was supposed to be your dream car. Now you resent it. Maybe you resent your spouse for talking you out of your dream car. Maybe you resent yourself for, for giving up on your dream car. You're going to put a lot of poison, a lot of vitriol, a lot of nastiness into your system because you settled. But intentionally living is so much more than just about material things though. Right? right? I've talked about cars. I've talked about houses. Very material. But really, it's about you. It's about your happiness. It's about your state of mind. It's about the way you live. It's about how you choose to spend your time. And in those last two examples, how you spend your money. But ultimately, it's how you choose to be. This is an intentional life. The show now, it's the Paragon show. But realistically, a lot of where the material is going to come from in these episodes going forward, is it's going to be about living your life intentionally.
really taking control of who you spend your time with, what you react to and how, what matters to you and why, what does and doesn't phase you and why. I'm going to share a story with you right now. It's personal, but I want to show, but I want the show, I want the show to be personal. From start to finish, I want you to connect with me, and I'm going to use examples out of my life to kind of illustrate what the heck it is I'm talking about. And, you know, for this show to even be remotely successful, it's got to be a little gritty. It's got to be a little real. Uh, if it's going to matter at all, you guys got to you guys gotta feel like you're a part of this. So, um, so here, when I was in the Army, I deployed to Iraq during some of the hardest, harshest, meanest fighting that was going on in the war. I was just north of Baghdad. There were roadside bombs every day. We were doing raids every night. We were, it was just nonstop fighting. And as an infantryman, as a, a ground pounder uh, that was in the heat of all that fighting, I was, I was there a lot. I saw combat almost every day of, of my time in the Middle East. Now, the inherent risk of that is death. We all know that. This is personal death or the death of your brothers in arms. And, and ultimately, we face that death. I faced it all the time. I faced it. I feel like I faced it every day. I've been blown up by IEDs, roadside bombs, more times than I can count. There were times we would come back from a firefight and I'd be climbing off of that Humvee and I, I was a gunner, so I was on the roof of the Humvee all the time. And I'd be pulling my machine gun off the top of that Humvee and I'd be looking at this, this thin sheet of steel, this turret shield that was meant to protect me and it's pockmarked with bullet marks, impact marks from, from an AK-47 or from whatever they were shooting at us. Inches from death. I, I lived that life for a year. Beyond that, I, uh, I, I, lost, I lost some very close friends, brothers. I, uh, one man in particular, a leader, he was a mentor to me. Uh, I've got him tattooed on my back. It was so, such a personal loss. This, this death, you know, I've come to know death. I knew I was, I was thrust into it. I was 20 years old, really young, really incorrigible at the time. I've seen the tragedy of civilian death. Civilians killed by ruthless, a ruthless ideological enemy for just not conforming, not, you know, getting down on their knees at the right time. There's something very transformative about facing your own mortality and living through others' mortality. And I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't want your 20-somethings or 18-somethings to go out and experience a whole lot of death and loss. I'm not wishing that on any, anybody. The thing that I took away from it, and it's not this way for, for everybody that goes through it, the thing that I took away from it was perspective. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of people deal with that in different ways. They, they, you know, some people fall into alcoholism. Unfortunately, we have a massive suicide problem with combat veterans right now. We're losing, we're losing people every day. I took perspective away from it. I was, I was in a bad place, in a dark place for a long time, trying to process and comprehend all of that death and all of that near death and what that meant for me. And I came away from that with perspective. It put the fragility of life into kind of a stark contrast. It gave me this perspective that, that you could be working out with someone one day and the very next day they could be gone. Or you could. You know, in my uh, role right now as an air medical pilot, I've flown flights where medical crews are frantically working everything from chest compressions to trauma medicine to try and save lives. And I've been there when we've lost patients, when they've passed, when they've succumbed to their injuries or to their sickness. 
I'll tell you this, the, the, the helicopter gets really quiet at that point. And for anybody that's been on a helicopter, you know that they are not quiet machines. But there's a lot of quiet in a helicopter when someone passes away. The crew feels it. The pilots, they feel it. We, we just, it gets quiet. It's perspective that we're feeling. It's that sudden exposure to how delicate life can be. So I've known enough death in my life to fill up a lot of lifetimes. So now I don't mean to get dark and somber here, and I know this is the first episode, and we're getting deep, but it really does serve a purpose, I promise. The ultimate fact of life is that ultimately, and without fail, it ends. Everybody dies. There's no way around it. There are those that are trying to prevent it, but for right now, there isn't a cure for death. It happens. It happens after long lives. It happens to those that have barely lived. Death does not discriminate. You and the people you love ultimately will die. Regardless of wealth or age or race or anything, it's the one single thing in life that you can count on the most. <sighs> that sucks. What a downer. So here's where I'm going with that. When you face death and you live through others' deaths and you begin to realize and appreciate the fact that there is no way to get out of life alive, the value of your time, of your feelings, of your responses, of your actions, all of it comes into focus. In the United States right now, the average life expectancy is 78 and a half years old. Now, I'm almost halfway there, and, and that scares the hell out of me. Some of you might even be past the halfway point. Hell, some listeners, if, if we're really getting some reach, might be past the average point. If you're 79 years old, one, I want to hear from you because that's awesome. Uh, you're, you've beaten the odds so far. I, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. If you're past that 78 and a half years old, you're, you're listening to this going like, duh. Okay? <laughs> what I'm saying to the rest of you, what I'm saying to the rest of us, what I'm saying to myself, and I got to say it to myself all the time because I get sucked into traps all the time, is that if you don't start living intentionally right now, you are giving time away that you will never, ever be able to get back. In 2009, an end-of-life caregiver, someone who works like a hospice, um, dealing with really sick people, people at the end of their lives, they're kind of just giving comfort care at that point. This caregiver shared in a blog post the top five regrets of the dying. She had put this list together after years of taking care of these people that are at the very end. The number one regret from, from this post, from this book, was I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That's intentional living. Living a true, a life true to yourself. Number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Talk about intentionally controlling your time. Number three was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Now, life doesn't get much more intentional than that. Life, you know, being able to express your feelings is huge. So many people don't. And what's worse still is when you don't tell somebody how you feel, good or bad, and then that person expires. Their life you know, ends, and you're left carrying that for the rest of your life. The thing about telling people 
how you feel, expressing your feelings, it's like handing bags off. It's You're handing your baggage off. Not good baggage or bad baggage, you're just handing these bags to people, okay? So you've got something you really want to say to somebody right now, okay? And you're holding this bag. If you take what you want to say to that person, put it in a bag, and you're holding that bag, right? Every moment that you don't tell that person, you are left holding that bag. And the only opportunity you have to let that bag go is to tell that person. If that person dies today, right now, you're listening to this podcast, and in the back of your mind, you've got someone pictured right now, and you're going, oh, I really want to tell so-and-so this thing. I'm going to tell them as soon as this podcast is over. And you get off the podcast, you give them a call, and it turns out that they were in a car accident or something. Very morbid, I'm sorry. The bag that you have in your hand right now with that thing that you want to say to that person, you do not get to give them. You don't get to tell them. That's the number three regret of people who are dying right now. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. If you can think of somebody right now that you should be talking to, that you should be telling these things to, like hit pause. Stop listening to me. Hit pause and call them. The more time people waste not telling the people that matter to them what they want to tell them, the more people die with that regret. Number four is, uh, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Number five is, I wish I'd let myself be happier. And this is one that I want to like really focus on. This is the number five regret of people who have died. I'm going to say it again. I wish I had let myself be happier. Let myself. I wish I chose to be happier. Intentionally living your life the first time, because it's the only life you get, Well, make sure that when you're in that bed at the end of your life and your time is coming, you aren't echoing these regrets. There was a recent study in uh, 2018 uh, by Agnes Pulowski. It found that the most haunting regrets of those on their deathbeds weren't about the things they had done, but more so about not living up to being their ideal person, their ideal self. Like settling for a stable career instead of pursuing a passion. Never traveling around the world. Marrying a safe partner instead of pursuing a truly special love. These ideals not met become the dying man's biggest regrets. This podcast, The Paragon Show, is all about finding the answers to that sort of intentional living by looking at and looking for models of excellence so that we you and I can live our best, most intentional lives. I'm excited for what I have in the works right now. I'm excited that you're listening right now. I'm excited for what is coming up in future episodes. I'm excited for what I can't even anticipate or know. This is a new podcast. I'm going through a big transformation right now. This is a new time in life. I am super excited, and I really hope that you hit the subscribe button, that you follow this podcast, you get notifications whenever a new episode comes up, because I am stoked to be cracking the shell on intentional living. And we're gonna be going deep and we are gonna be looking for the keys to having that fulfilled intentional life. So with that, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Henderson and this is The Paragon Show. You've been listening to The Paragon Show. Subscribe, follow, comment, contribute. This show is as much about you as it is about intentional living. This is The Paragon Show.